Welcome to The Landscape, your show about America's parks and public lands. I'm Aaron Weiss at the Center for Western Priorities in Denver, here with an emergency edition of the podcast as President-elect Biden announces his team that will focus on the climate crisis and environmental justice. Just to recap here, his Interior Secretary nominee is Deb Holland. She's a representative from New Mexico, one of the first Native American women elected to the House. She's the vice chair of the Committee on Natural Resources. She's also a former guest on this podcast, and I recommend everyone go back and listen to that conversation because it was a great one. If Holland is confirmed, she will become the first Native American cabinet member in American history. And alongside Holland, Michael Regan nominated to head up the Environmental Protection Agency, He is currently the top environmental official in North Carolina. He's also a former regional director with the Environmental Defense Fund. And Brenda Mallory will head up the White House Council on Environmental Quality. Now, that may be the most important position you've never really heard of. Mallory used to be the general counsel at CEQ under President Obama. She's currently at the Southern Environmental Law Center. And then there's a new position, not part of the cabinet, uh, but Gina McCarthy, the former EPA head, will take on a domestic climate czar coordinating uh, position under the Biden administration. So joining us to talk about all of these choices and what else to expect when we're expecting a Biden administration, we have David Hayes, the former deputy interior secretary at the Obama administration. He's now the head of the State Energy and Environmental Impact Center at the New York University School of Law. David Hayes, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, It's great to be with you, Aaron. So uh, let's start with just your take on these nominees. Uh, How are are you excited to see these names uh, going into the the Biden administration? Uh. Aaron, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, this is an amazing slate of candidates, uh, amazing in a number of feet of dimensions. Uh, you mentioned Deb Holland, obviously uh, first ever Native American to uh, take over the Secretary of the Interior. Uh, just an important point in our history, given that this department uh, has a special obligation toward uh American Indians and Alaska Natives, and uh, and frankly, has a very poor record of doing so. And what better way to reset uh, that historical sin than to elevate uh, Deb Holland uh, as uh, the Secretary of Interior? Uh, and and just go down the line in terms of diversity and experience. Uh, this is an amazing group. Uh, and diversity of experience. Uh, the Michael Reagan, EPA administrator, uh, having been uh, a career uh, guy at uh, EPA and then uh, working in the environmental sector and uh, most recently heading up the North Carolina uh, Environmental Protection uh, Unit. Uh, wonderful uh, 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 history here. And as a as a, a black leader, uh, he's focused on uh, environmental justice, uh, and what better way to uh, uh, demonstrate the uh, administration's commitment uh, to environmental justice, uh, which is a point that the president-elect uh, has emphasized many times. And uh, and I'm also extremely excited about Brenda Mar- Mallory, uh, another woman of color. Uh, who has uh, who I've worked with for years uh, on 
uh, in and out of government. Uh, she's a incredibly well-respected lawyer and leader uh, as the former general counsel, a perfect pick uh, to uh, get in the chair at CEQ and, and, uh, and go, go at it. And then finally, and, and perhaps most importantly, uh, Gina McCarthy and Ali Zaidi heading uh, the climate unit at the White House that's going to bring all of these folks together uh, and, and truly uh, organize an all-of-government uh, effort to, uh, to promote uh, uh, climate, uh, to address climate injustice, uh, to uh, pivot our economy to uh, clean energy, and all the while keeping in mind uh, conservation and, and executing on the president's very capacious uh, interests in, in that regard. When you look at these choices, um, what does it say to you about the value of environmental justice? to the Biden administration relative to obviously the Trump administration, but even back to the beginning of, of the Obama years? Well, we're in a new era now, clearly. And, and I think uh, there's been an awakening here uh, among uh, many of us that uh, really did not appreciate the seriousness of the environmental justice issue. And it's, it's part of the broader uh, fact that this country has uh, swept under the rug for far too long uh, the systemic racism that that we've seen exhibited uh, in uh, in 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 a number of traditional contexts. Uh, but th- for those of us who are deeply involved in uh, environment and natural resources issues, that we now see uh, in that context as well. Uh, so it is a different era than it was. Uh, uh, 11 years ago when the Obama administration came in. Unfortunately, it's, 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 uh, it's a, unfortunately the Obama administration did not uh, elevate this issue to the extent it is now. Uh, but my goodness, um, all of these folks have terrific track records in appreciating um, the, the need to address uh, environmental justice issues, and, and they're going to do it. I want to dive into a number of different areas, especially at the Interior Department, the challenges that, that Deb Holland will face uh, after her confirmation. And obviously the, the big one, maybe the most important, certainly to, to her, but also to many others, are, is America's obligation to tribal nations. Give us a sense of how those relationships and those obligations have changed or been disregarded under the Trump years? How, how much rebuilding will, will Deb Holland have to do there? Well, the Trump administration uh, utterly failed in terms of uh, honoring its trust responsibility to American Indians and Alaska Natives. Um, and you'd, you have to look no further than uh, the the essential, revoc- essentially, the revocation of the Bears Ears National Monument, uh, a a monument that uh, was led uh, and instigated by a number of tribal nations uh, who view that area as sacred. Um, and I, I have to comment that I was uh, really taken aback by Secretary Zinke's. Um, 
complete deaf ear on this issue. Oh, the portrait. Uh, with, with his portrait uh, set with Bear's ears as the backdrop. Um, you know, a black stain on him and on the department. So there's, uh, but that's just a, one small illustration. There, there was the, the, the Trump administration valued above all else uh, the oil and gas industry as its primary constituency. And anything that got in the way of that, uh, including tribal interests, um, were, uh, were, were second fiddle. Um, the reality is that uh, to, to truly have a government-to-government relationship with, with tribes, there needs to be an affirmative a commitment at the beginning and throughout uh, that, to rec- that recognizes the need to consult first with tribes on anything that has the potential to affect them and to listen uh, and, 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 and recalibrate based on what uh, the administration hears from tribes. Uh, that didn't happen uh, with the Trump administration. With De- Deb Holland is not going to not let that happen. And she's going to, uh, obviously, she personifies uh, the importance of that issue, and I'm sure will 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 bring it to a new level uh, in the Interior Department. And I'm sure she'll be tough on the other agencies to make sure that the the whole of the federal government respects its obligations in this regard. Let's talk about oil and gas leasing. It got a whole lot of attention on the campaign trail. Obviously, there are a lot of distractions about banning fracking, not banning fracking. Uh, I think a lot of that missed the the bigger picture around oil and gas leasing on public lands and what a Biden administration might be able to do there. And then also future drilling on public lands, which is a slightly different issue than just leasing. Representative Holland obviously has been a champion of the Green New Deal. It's a legislative proposal. She'll be coming into interior, working with the laws that are on the books today. Uh, What can she and the Biden administration do within the, the bounds of the law as they are today? And what would require congressional action? Well, the, the president elect has made it clear that, um, he, uh, intends to not enter into new leases on public lands. And Deb Holland uh, has uh, obviously endorsed that view and will implement that view. And um, there is no uh, obligation by the Secretary of the Interior uh, to uh, enter into any specific oil and gas lease. The, The Secretary has significant discretion in terms of uh, deciding what's, a, what's an appropriate uh, use for our public lands. Within the broad framework of the Federal uh, uh, Lands Management Policy Act, uh, uh, and that, in fact, it's that statute that gives the secretary that broad discretion. So uh, I fully expect that Deb Holland will, uh, as I say, honor the secretary's, or rather the president's intentions, which which match her own uh, and, um, uh, and, and begin to have the federal government help address this, uh, the problem uh, that um, in, in a climate era, uh, it, it, it's a continued uh, uh, emphasis on oil and gas everywhere and all the time is no longer appropriate. So let's assume that happens on day one via 
some combination of executive order, secretarial orders, instructional memoranda. Are there things that you think should then also happen over the next four years at the the rulemaking level so that some of this sticks beyond uh, a first term of a Biden administration? Um, You know, I don't want to prejudge what how the Biden administration will uh, will play this out. Um, I, I think that. The reality is that as uh, as our country and the world continues to appreciate the seriousness of climate change and the need to decarbonize our economy, um, the, there will be less and less interest in uh, uh, in in entering frontier lands, for example, to to uh, drill for more oil and gas supplies. Um, so uh, I think uh, I'm confident that that the the new crew will will uh, look and see w- what's the best way to uh, to address this. It could be, I, you know, there have been a lot of proposals, for example, that that the Interior Department uh, start taking stock of uh, what its overall carbon footprint is and potentially manage to. Uh, a lower level of, of carbon emissions associated with its operations and and take credit, if you will, for the renewable energy that, that Deb Holland has already expressed a strong interest in, in revitalizing on the public lands. Um, so a variety of factors in play here, all of which point to uh, a diminished focus on oil and gas uh, on our public lands uh, per, the, per the president's uh, uh, commitment uh, and uh, and and I think our national commitment uh, to address to to really take on climate change and and beat it. Uh, along those lines, what tools do, does an Interior Secretary have in their toolkit to encourage in, uh, re- renewable energy development on public lands? Are are there are there policy things that you'll be looking for out of the gate, uh, shifting that balance from extraction to renewable yeah. generation? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, I think the new administration will have a chance to to take some pages from the Obama playbook, uh, which came into office when Ken Salazar and I came in in uh, July 21, uh, 2009. There were no utility scale uh, clean energy projects on the public lands. Um, we we changed that uh, by working with the industry and working with the environmental community finding the right places to put these large footprint projects, uh, working together to environmentally review them and to uh, address uh, concerns uh, and, and, and getting them permitted and built. Um, right now, uh, and the market is better now than it ever has been as the prices for clean energy have plummeted. Uh, and uh, you have right now in offshore waters in the Atlantic, an incredible uh, potential for uh, major wind energy coming in to satisfy the clean energy demands of the northeastern and mid-Atlantic states. There are 25,000 megawatts already leased uh, of potential projects. I can tell you one thing that will happen is uh, this n- next administration is not going to take the, the, the negative approach of the Trump administration toward offshore wind. Uh, we just saw last week uh, the termination 
uh, quote unquote, of the Vineyard Wind application out of a fit of pique by the Secretary of the Interior uh, because um, uh, the, they're revising their plan to put some, some, some bigger turbines in and, and they, they're taking away the chance for the uh, Trump administration to potentially um, I- uh, issue a poison pill permit uh, for that project. Uh, so um, it's going to be night and day in terms of the, the new administration's approach to renewable energy on the public lands. I want to talk about the civil service, the, the scientists, the park rangers across these government agencies, interior, EPA, uh, agriculture, even where we, we've seen economists forced out of their jobs. How big a problem is the brain drain that we've seen under the Trump years? And what steps can the incoming administration do to both fix morale among folks who are there and or fill these holes that have been left by departures? That's a really important topic, Aaron. I'm glad you raised it. Um, I think the the administration is going to find uh, that this is a big problem. The fact that this being the, the brain drain that has occurred um, in my experience in, in, uh, as Deputy Secretary, both in the Clinton administration and the Obama administration, the, uh, the Interior Department in particular is filled with folks who embrace the mission and love the mission. Um, they have not had much to be happy about over the last four years. And you combine that with uh, the aging uh, nature of the workforce and then the, the Trump administration's active uh, uh, slighting of, uh, of, of career folks. Uh, and in the case of BLM, the extraordinary effort to push out folks by uh, moving the headquarters uh, to Grand Junction uh, and uh, along the way, uh, pushing out 70% of the folks that, uh, that are most senior in, in the BLM. So what it, what's going to be done about it? Um, well, I guess on the good news side is it's a chance uh, to uh, freshen the workforce, to bring in new folks and more diverse folks into federal government across these uh, agencies. Um, and and the hope is that uh, the energizing uh, uh, sort of influence that we're seeing just by the naming of, of these wonderful new leaders uh, will 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 filter down to uh, to folks uh, who uh, want to do public service. So um, uh, it, it's going to be hard, though, and it's going to it's going to put a big strain on uh, on the leadership to uh, to to make that, that change happen as quickly as possible. How important is OPM, the Office of Personnel Management? Uh, are they going to need to create some sort of civil service amnesty program where, you know, welcome back, we missed you kind of thing? Uh, or is it truly just, you know, everyone needs to start hiring quick? Well, I think it's, I, I hope it's it's more the latter, Aaron. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think the new crew will come in and, uh, and see just how many, you know, this administration didn't even fill the political jobs or the the Senate confirmed jobs. I mean, there there are so many opening already open jobs. Uh, then you go down the career uh, ranks as well. I think there, uh, 
Uh, I encourage everybody to look on USA Jobs, uh, <laughs> uh, particularly uh, early next year after January 20th. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of openings and a lot of opportunity. I want to talk about the role states will play. You've spent the last several years tracking the role of states in fighting the Trump administration. Particularly, we've seen lawsuits out of uh, California, New Mexico, Colorado, challenging the Trump administration's policies. Uh, how do you see that changing? Are there roles for states to to support what the Trump administration might do? And do you think the tables are going to turn? We're going to see a bunch of Republican attorneys general challenging the Biden administration on some of this stuff. Uh, well, I certainly think when it comes, for example, to conservation, there's going to be a wonderful uh, partnership between states and uh, the federal government, and in particular, the Interior Department. Uh, Deb Holland has been an outspoken and early supporter of the 30 by 30 initiative that uh, the president-elect embraced, uh, 30% protecting uh, and conserving 30% of the landmass and the uh, oceans uh, by 3030. That's, that's all of the landmass and all of the oceans. And that means states uh, and private uh, uh, interests have got to be uh, working hand in hand with the federal government to make that happen. Uh, California, of course, uh, al already has embraced the 30 by 30 plan for itself. So that's a natural alignment there and an important one. Likewise, many of these states um, are, are making uh, uh, climate-related commitments uh, for much more renewable energy. So there again, there's going to be an alignment. Um, I, I suspect that there will also be uh, sources of friction, certainly with the traditionally conservative states that um, are tied into the fossil fuel economy. So um, there they'll will be, the, the, I expect there'll be some, uh, 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 some friction there, as you, uh, as you would expect. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but lots of opportunity um, uh, for good things to happen, uh, by and large. Deb Holland will be coming in, obviously, with a tremendous vision for our public lands, with lots of relevant experience coming from the Natural Resources Committee, uh, with her lived experience as a tribal member, with her family experience going back 35 generations. But she is not coming in having actually worked inside the Interior Department. Obviously, she is far from the first cabinet secretary to, to come in that way. But how important is it for folks who come in having not worked there before to have someone at the, the deputy level, at the assistant secretary level, who, who knows where the proverbial bodies are buried, especially when you're talking about rebuilding an agency? Well, that's very important uh, for uh, anyone coming in as secretary who who hasn't um, been living and breathing uh, the Interior Department uh, for years. Um, uh, I think we can just look at this slate of leaders generally and see that um, this administration, this incoming administration, credits uh, experience. And, uh, and that means that Deb Holland will have uh, I'm sure, extremely experienced uh, lieutenants to, to work with. Uh, the, uh, uh, and there are the interest by um, longstanding uh, 
uh, interior watchers and former officials, the interest in joining the administration is very high. So I, I think we're going to have the best of all worlds. You're going to have a, a secretary that uh, is just by virtue of, of her own uh, background and persona, as you discussed, uh, sends all the right messages uh, throughout the 70,000 employees of the department and across the federal government. And, and then she will be bolstered uh, uh, and, and also has been a leader in terms of policy, like the 30 by 30, uh, for example, obviously like in terms of, of, of tribal related issues. And so many issues that she has handled as the vice chair of the Natural Resources Committee in the House. So um, uh, it, it's going to be a great combination of, of, of her uh, fresh look at the department, uh, uh, and, uh, but with the helping hand of an experienced uh, group of uh, supporting cast. In the last couple of minutes we have left, I want to ask you about the confirmation process. Uh, this is something you obviously have been through. These nominees are going to be coming in with a very closely divided Senate, uh, regardless of what happens in Georgia. So what's your, nom- your, your advice for someone sitting in that hot seat, cameras on them, senators uh, on the, the Energy and Natural Resources Committee sitting in front of them asking questions? How do you, how do you get through a confirmation hearing? Oh, the hearing's not the hard part, uh, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) The the hard part is uh, when senators put holds on nominations Mm. and and hold them up for months at a time. Um, I I had my confirmation both in the Clinton administration and the Obama administration was held up for months uh, uh, on different issues by different senators. Uh, And uh, my... uh, uh, you know, ultimately, I was uh, approved unanimously in both cases. Uh, and, uh, and senators would tell me, oh, it's not personal. And it wasn't personal. They, these were, uh, you know, sort of uh, chances for senators to complain about an issue that they didn't like, uh, the, the way it's being handled in the, in the department. So it's, a, it's really a broken process, the nomination process. Um, my advice is, uh, is, is to be patient and, uh, uh, and, uh, and to carry on and not, not, be, uh, not give up, frankly. Uh, the good news is that there is a strong tradition that uh, the, the president's cabinet picks, uh, that the president gets to get those cabinet picks in early. And, uh, and so... Uh, Deb Holland uh, and and Jennifer Granholm uh, and and Michael Regan uh, and others will should should go through quickly. Uh, it's the deputies and the assistant secretaries. Mm-hmm. I, I I fear that may have a harder time. Um, but I I, I uh, you know I, I hope that um, I I hope that the delays are are minimal. Uh, the the proverbial airing of grievances. Uh, from Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last question. What are you looking forward to the most come January 20th? Oh, I, I just, uh, I, I am, I'm in such a better mood, Aaron, here mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks that I have been <laughs> for a long time. Yes, indeed. And I'm just looking forward to a wonderful day. Uh, when 
um, when we have uh, the White House again in the hands of uh, a, a a president and a vice president that we can respect and admire, and that uh, and that's taking over at such an incredibly important time, and and then and then you know uh, thinking at the same time about yes the level of challenges our 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 country faces, but looking at the team that is being put on the field and how strong a team it is, uh, giving us all hope and energizing us uh, for the future. Plus, of course, uh, you know, the, 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 we can see an end in sight for COVID, we hope. And uh, for, the, for a lot of reasons, uh, we're all looking forward, I think, to having 2020 in the rearview mirror and and uh, and looking ahead on the horizon at uh, at the sun rising again. So uh, I'm excited, and uh, I, I hope many people who are listening here are uh, share that excitement and that hope. Well, it's been a long time since we've ended an episode on such an optimistic note. So I had better leave this one right there. David Hayes, Executive Director of the State Energy and Environmental Impact Center at the New York University School of Law former Deputy Secretary at the Interior Department. Thank you again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Aaron. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of The Landscape. I I know I just told David we are going to end this on a positive note, so we are not going to talk about all of the very bad things that outgoing Interior Secretary David Bernhardt is trying to finalize on his way out the door. Trust me, it's a long list. There is going to be a lot more of it between now and January 20th. I have no idea how his COVID diagnosis will affect any of this, if at all, so I'm sure we're going to talk about that in the new year. But for now, I am just going to enjoy this glimmer of hope and look forward to a lot of good news next year. I hope that you're having a safe and happy holiday, even if we can't be with family this year. On behalf of the whole team at the Center for Western Priorities, I'm Aaron Weiss. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in 2021.